This episode of The Naked Truth is brought to you by Swing Time, the time travel WSDC event. Swing Time is taking place July 25th to the 28th in my hometown of Denver, Colorado. In addition to the usual Jack and Jill's, Strictly Swing, All-American, and Routines and Visions, they've also got unique, fun competitions like the Open Strictly, Footwork Battle, and the One-Footed Spin Strictly Contest. Swing Time also has great learning opportunities. They have leveled workshops with no auditions, solo workshops, and a master's workshop track. Plus, there are two theme nights, Time Travel to the Past, where you dress up as someone from the past, and a Travel to the Future Blacklight Glow Dance, where you dress like you're from the future. Weekend pass prices are currently $149. However, Naked Truth listeners have the ability to time travel back to their $139 price by using coupon code TRUTH during checkout. Just go to swingtimewcs.com forward slash truth to buy your pass today. Again, that's swingtimewcs.com forward slash truth. Get your weekend passes today. This episode of The Naked Truth is brought to you by the Bavarian Open. The Bavarian Open takes place September 12th through the 15th in the beautiful city of Munich, Germany, right next to where Oktoberfest takes place. The event takes place in a beautiful venue that has a beer garden and two restaurants, plus beer on tap all weekend long. The Bavarian Open offers all of the official World Swing Dance Council Jack and Jill divisions, including newcomer, juniors, sophisticated masters, and champions. They also offer classic and showcase routine divisions, a rising star division, and a special Bavarian twist on the All-American contest called the Sepp and Heidi, so be sure to bring your lederhosen and dirndls. With all these competitions, there's lots of opportunities for you to win one of their famous traditional Bavarian gingerbread heart trophies. With four days of nonstop dancing, learning, and fun, there are up to 10 hours of workshops and over 30 hours of social dancing time. They have some of the best professionals on staff, including Sean and Courtney, Simeon and Maria, John and Alyssa, Hugo and Stacy, Ben Morris, Chuck Brown, and PJ Turner. Check out the Blues Intensive with Sean and Courtney and the Judging Intensive with Chuck Brown. And don't miss Red Carpet Night with Champagne and Mimosas. Or Ben Morris getting drunk during the All-Star Division. You have to be there to understand it. Prices start at 100 euro with special discounts for junior students, international travelers, and advanced and higher dancers. But our listeners can get 10% off any ticket by entering code NAKEDTRUTH10 at checkout. Go to BavarianOpen.com to register. And don't forget, get your 10% discount with discount code NAKEDTRUTH10 at checkout. That's NAKEDTRUTH10. Get your pass today. Welcome to The Naked Truth, real talk about West Coast Swing. My name is Deborah, And I'm Eric, and this is part two of our conversation with champion shag dancers Leanne and Michael Norris. So, Michael, shifting gears a bit, um, I want to ask you about your routine with Khalees, okay. which I have to admit is one of my all-time favorite routines in any dance. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, it was a routine that when I saw it, I thought to myself, okay, that that's what I want to do. Um, it's musical. It's playful. It has great partnership. It's classy and it swings. Oh, so hard. And, um, <laughs> it was great. I, and actually the first performance I saw was your, uh, grand nationals performance. And I just right. like, I just couldn't, I still watch it when I need inspiration. Wow. So I, I want to ask you, um, one, how did you end up partnering with Khalees? And two, how did you create and develop that routine? 
So Khalees, I met Khalees. It's funny. I met her at the first Grand Nationals in 95. She was dancing with, I think, Barry Jones and somebody. So she was kind of, you know, she was a, a, a big, you know, big name. And we saw her perform at the Grand Nationals. Uh, I met her then and I always give her a hard time. She sat beside me that weekend. You know, you know we were all starstruck because we had seen all these people. She was sitting beside me and she kept slinging her hair and it kept hitting me in the face. And I remember looking to Leanne. This, I mean, I, why I remember this as a 15 year old, you know, this big star has thrown her hair and hit me in the face like four times. And I'm like, if this woman throws her hair on me again, I'm going to be mad. But then I remember, wait a minute, it's Khalees. It's Khalees. Okay, it's okay. She can do whatever she wants to do. So, and I tell her about that all the time. So it's just kind of funny to me, you know, she used to throw her hair on me and, it, you know, but I was starstruck. So it didn't matter. So that's when we became friends was in 95 or we met in 95. Mm-hmm. And I believe that's when she met Brent and Brent at the time was still living in North Myrtle Beach um, where his family lived. So she would come for the summer sometimes or she would come when they first started dating before they got married. She was at the beach a lot. And there was one summer she spent a lot, several weeks there with his family and with Brent. So we became friends and obviously she could do the footwork. She had learned to shag and that kind of thing. So we always enjoyed dancing together. Um and I'm trying to think, I don't know exactly how well, we... you and her always talk about practicing and loving to practice. Yes. And having partners that... Hated to practice. Hated right. to practice. That's right. I didn't always feel that way, but as I got older and was in college and things like that, practicing was not something, and still to this day, is not something that I look forward to. Yeah, Michael and, was a dream to practice this. Yes, he... <laughs> So, so I remember, um, Khalees, like calling you and telling you that she really wanted to dance in the open, but Brent refused to practice, to practice that right. he had kind of given the two of them their blessing, you know, his blessing if was he interested and, and she wanted to make sure that I would be okay with it. And I'm like, I don't care. First of all, I, I'm, I don't, I don't need to be doing probably West coast swing. And, and so I have no plans of, of doing any type of West Coast swing routine with Michael. So if that's something you want to do, go for it. And I'd kind of just started, was in the first couple of years of my job here at school. So um, I was pretty busy and, and that kind of thing, had a lot of commitments. And so they and I, started dancing. We they, went to some, we were teaching at some event together. I, like Atlanta. Up in Atlanta, Atlanta swing. swing classic. Yeah. yeah. And then like yep. Pittsburgh or something. Oh, and we basically. Bop in the Berg. B- Boogie in the Berg. Boogie in the Berg. That's it. <laughs> yeah. So we went up there, and Leanne, you didn't go. I didn't go. And Brent, I don't know Brent. He may have gone. I don't think he went. So me and her, they kind of put us teaching together, which worked out. We were teaching some shag and West Coast thing. Well, we had, that was in March, and the Grand Nationals was in May, and we were like, well, we'll just put it together. It'll be easy. Well, we basically we didn't sleep for four days, and we just choreographed. And she had this song. It's funny when I heard the song for the first time, I was like, uh. <laughs> no, just not good. I don't. I don't get it. You know, and it. I think her mom found I think it. Or, Jared found the song, and then she had cut it and kind of. Yeah, it was ready. It, it was at ready. Points to make it build, and and then we started playing. We just would dance to it a little bit, and then we just started choreographing it. And I think like Matt on Claire was there, and he would pop in randomly and show us some crazy move, and then he'd pop out, and four hours later he'd randomly show back up and show us some stuff. So we just put this routine together, and we would kill each other like just. Hours and hours and hours and hours. I mean, you talk about two people that love to practice. I have never in my life. I mean, they they would go upstairs in our dance room and I'm not exaggerating. 14 hours later, 
Sweating, sweating. We were sweating <laughs> to the point where, to the point where, like leading up to the open, Michael, when she would leave, Michael would have to go and get like two and three massages a week after she would leave because he could barely walk. Yeah, every weekend I would get a massage Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. They just, they, it was, it was just funny. There was something about the two of them creatively. Like when you put them in the same room, they were just kind of. I think the juices would just flow and then, then they just kind of didn't know how to shut it off. Mm-hmm. And so like you had to go up there and remind them like, Hey, it's been five hours. You probably should eat or don't you want something to drink or how about let's take a break? You know, like there's no time for breaks. There's no they, time. <laughs> they literally killed each other. And I don't mean that in a bad way. And she knows right. this. We talk about it and talk about it all the time. Um, but I think I think at the time they kind of knew that that this was the type of routine that just kind of needed to be put out there, you know, mm-hmm. just just as kind of like a reminder. And it was that, part of those things. One of those things too, like we started dancing in March, and then we danced at the Grand Nationals in late May. So you know, just two months. I don't think I saw her from March to Grand Nationals. We get to Grand Nationals on Wednesday. We practiced like crazy, and then she had that costume. Actually, I did go there once because she tried on the costume, and I'd never danced with anybody showing skin, so that was interesting. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I remember when she put that costume on for the first time. We were at her seamstress' house, and she came out, and Michael was like, I don't know that I can dance with you in that. And she was like, what? And there's this one little thing where I push off her side like three times, and it was the side that was open, Uh and apparently. Apparently that was done for a reason. I didn't know that, but, um, oh my God, I push off your skin on your hip, hip. Like what? This is just not, you know, it was just different for me, but I knew I loved the routine and you know, it's one of those things you don't know how it's going to go over the first time you have no clue. And it, I always enjoyed dancing at grand nationals as, as in a classic division, because I felt like I had the best of both worlds. I had all my swing people and all my shag friends, home there. Crowd. my home crowd. I just always felt like it was always a big rush to get out there and then do a routine that was kind of out of my comfort level a little bit. And like I said, we kind of knew, we kind of knew it was, it, it, I don't want to say it was needed. I mean, it, it, it was just a, a good swing. I felt like a good swing routine mm-hmm. to be out there at that time. And um, of course we did it and the crowd went crazy and it looked great. We'd never performed it. So that was, <laughs> that was exciting that we never performed it. And, it turned out good, and then the response was wonderful. And then we weren't planning to really do the open; we were just doing grand yeah, you nationals. Were just doing a grand nationals, and then-, and then we were like, um, "Well, maybe we should do it at the open." You know, so we basically just perfected it and did it and did it and did it thousands of times until you know, leading up to the open. So it was just a crazy year, and it was wonderful. I mean, what was it like to win at the open, knowing that you're going against Jordan and Tatiana, like all these? other top champions it, were it, was, it was it was crazy you know like at the grand nationals we won and it, it was just you know we, we danced against you know people that we've been looking up to forever like you know jordan Todd got second and you know you're thinking how how you know i think what helped us a little bit is the home the home crowd helped us a little bit there the excitement that kind of thing sure. would and you, then you think like, also being the underdog helps too because there's no pressure I, I, it, kind it, of it, yeah kind of like what we were talking about earlier absolutely and no, the, who knew we you know it was just going to be a routine. It was just going to be fun. And that was it. Right. So I think that helped and people were excited and, you know, people always want somebody to beat the, you know, the, the top couple. And, and that's just like, it's lonely it's on an, top. It's, it's, a, it's unfortunate that, that that's the case, but the nature that, of the beast. 
it just it just is the nature of the beast. So yeah. going to the open, I mean, you know, as far as I was concerned, I you know, we want to make we want to make it to finals. And we want to be in the top five. We be in the top five. I will be happy as can be. And then because I don't think you, I mean, obviously you always dance to win, and certainly Kalise always dance. If you know Kalise, uh, you Kalise, know that yes, always sure. dance to win. Yes, uh huh. But I, I, I do really think that you felt like winning at Grand Nationals. There was no way you were going to win the Open. Like right. You were, you were going to get out there, and you were going to get. He was going to give it his best shot. But there was, there was no way it was going to. They would win again. You know. So it was, it, it was, was exciting. I mean, it was, it was crazy, you know, it was a fun weekend. It was a fun weekend. If so, I remember it, correctly though, didn't you, um, or maybe that was the year after, didn't you do a different routine in the prelims? Yes. Well, what's funny is, you know, we're thinking, oh wow, we'll just make up a new routine to do at the open and yep. it'll be great. And we made up this routine and we worked on this new routine forever. And then it, she really liked it and I didn't dislike it. It just wasn't as much me. Mm-hmm. It was a John Mayer. It was a John Mayer song. It was great. Now I liked the routine, but the other one just when the music came on, it just felt it just felt right. So up until like two weeks, or like the week before the open, we still hadn't decided what you know. Back then, you did your old routine in the prelims and your new one in the finals, and it was kind of like we didn't know what to do. Do we do the new routine in the finals? You know, it was just this whole back and forth thing, and. It, we finally, after we performed them a couple of times in Dallas the weekend before, I, we've, I finally was like, I, I just feel more comfortable doing our original. Let's do the new one for the prelims and the old one for the finals, you know, and that was kind of, so people didn't really know what we were going to do. because And it worked to your advantage. Right. So it was just one of those things. It just felt right. And now the other routine was bad. I don't know if it would have won. It wouldn't have won. You know, it wouldn't it, have won. <laughs> It would not have won. No, it really wouldn't. No, it was good. It was a good prelim routine. And it was very smart that you did it that way. Had it would, had you reversed it, you would not have won. I don't think. So it was just, and it was kind of nice to finish out the year doing that routine that we started with the grand nationals. And I still can't believe it looking back that, that we won, but it was, it was definitely a fun time. It was a fun time. You had this great routine. You had such success. Did you think about doing more routines with Khalees? Yes. And we did another routine and we actually got second at Swing Diego the following year. And it's one of those things too, is like once you, and it's just like, sorry, Stella saw another bird. I apologize. (laughs) (laughs) It's one of those things too. Like when you have a winning routine, then it's like, how do you top it? Yeah. Then then that whole thing, you're on top. You have to be that much better the next time. It's a lot. So we did different. It is. It's just, and that's, that's one of the reasons we don't compete in shag as much anymore because the pressure is just horrible. Uh, but it's part of what drives you too. So we put together this new routine and it wasn't a bad routine. It was just, okay. It wasn't us. It, we were trying to do something different. And I think we got second at Swing Diego, I believe yep. to Jordan Todd, which I mean, God, we we're still thankful to get second behind Jordan and Tatiana, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just kind of, it just, it, it was starting to feel forced as in, not necessarily forced that we were dancing together, but it was just forced it, in the feel and the choreography. It didn't right. feel like you guys. It, it, it didn't feel like the first one. And right. you know, who yeah. knows it, you know, some people, it's hard to, you, you may not ever, we may not have could have ever topped that again or gotten to where we felt like the same. Well, that's the hard part about like, this is what's so like, I think amazing about um, Jordan and Todd and, and Benji. Um, Absolutely. They, they stayed on top for such a long time. And, you know, part of it, I think part of the success is 
you know, Benji's an exception to the rule because he wasn't always with the same partner. But part of the success is, is staying with the same partner and being, you know, and working on your craft together. But you consistently have to, like, top yourself and pick the right you, music. And the, it's a lot the, of pressure. So much pressure. It is. And sometimes you have to go in a different direction. I think Jordan and Todd talked a lot about that on yeah. their podcast about feeling killing, feeling kind of forced to have to go into a different direction because you couldn't do the same thing that you did last time. Right. And I th- I think that's with everyone when they're sure. competing, especially people that are on top. You know, it's hard. It's hard to be consistent and continue to to replicate what you've done in the past. And every time that you win and you add another notch to your belt, it becomes that much harder. Yeah, you know, I was happy not being on top that long. <laughs> but you know what's kind of funny? I, I hate when people would do that to us when we were competing or whatever. But the same thing when I'm watching the current big dogs in, in West Coast and in Shag, I'm like, well, they could have done a little more. They could have been, you know, like I'm wanting that, you know. And I'm like, wait, they just freaking killed it. And right, and we and we and they dance and we did right. And I'm like, I right, want right. more. I want more. So I'm doing exactly to them what people did to us when we were at the top of our game. So I, it's just a natural, you know, you just want more, more, more. So it is what it is. <laughs> so earlier you talked about, you know, you mentioned Grand Nationals a lot, which is which is great because it's a good segue into the next question. Um, so, you know, in 2011, Charlie Womble and Jackie McGee stepped down as the event directors of Grand Nationals and they passed the torch to the two of you. Grand Nationals has been such an important event for both swing and shag worlds. What was it like to take on the responsibility of running Grand Nationals? Wow. Who knew it was some, oh, you guys do. You wanted it all along. Oh, well, it's funny because I remember (laughs) I went in 95, I I, I had already decided I was going to be running that thing. Uh-huh. But, and, you know, Jackie, I think, talked about it when they turned it over to us. She used to call me leading up to the Grand Nationals every year, and I'd answer the phone, Grand Nationals, you know, <laughs> it's already mine, you know. So it just, it was just a natural fit. And I think they always knew it had to be somebody in the swing and shag community so that it would, at least there would be some, you know, communication between the two. two Communities, right. Right. So, um, and I, we knew they were kind of getting burnout, not burnout, just kind of ready to, pass the torch and move on and we you know, like my last my last year of pharmacy school yeah and we weren't we they, weren't quite ready i mean they we, approached us and we could wanted, have done it but wanted to give us more um in more of an inside look as to how it ran um who had you know which one of them had what duties um we found ourselves having more responsibility at the event um uh-huh. they have made us made us but you know asked us if we could have more of an active role in kind of doing some of the things um at the event not so much leading up to the event but at the event um well so that you'd understand yeah you. right yeah and i think they knew that you know at that time i had just i think that was like my last year in pharmacy school um that last year michael and i actually did not compete in the nationals that year because of i my- remember that my work schedule yeah. um, and I just felt like I couldn't commit to do both. Um, and so then I went on to do a residency, two years of residency. And, and I think they thought after I graduated pharmacy school, that would be it, that we would be ready to kind of take it over. Cause I think that was around like year 14, 14. 15 yep. or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but then they saw that I was going on to do a residency and, you know, financially we, we weren't ready either. You know, I, I was not, I was not in, into my career. And, you know, we, 
you know, we, we didn't financially have, have the money, you know, to kind of take that next step, but they still kept an open line of communication, um, still continued to kind of touch base with us, still continued to share things about the event with us and, and how much things cost and kind of where the money goes and, and kind of what the bottom line was. And, um, I think once we kind of moved back here to Columbia, that's when, and I, you know, I took a job with the college. That's kind of really when the communication became more open and they made it very clear that they were, they were kind of ready to be done. Um, and, and so, you know, they, they basically told us it, it's, it's yours if you want it. And, you know, when you feel like you're at a place in your life, both professionally and financially that you can do that, then, then we're ready for, we're, we're ready to move on and take that next step. Right. Um, so they, you know, they had been grooming us kind of behind the scenes for a long time. And, you know, it was very important to them that it kind of remained confidential. It was, it was not our secret to tell, you know, I remember sure being there that year and everyone knew somehow that, that they were kind of stepping away from grand nationals and, you know, it was all the talk who, who was, who was buying it, who was taking it over. There were all these rumors of who was doing it. And, um, we were part of the rumors too. And I, I remember looking people in the face and saying no and saying no and lying. I think I even looked at Deborah. Yep. I looked Deborah straight in the face and told her, no, we were not taking over grand nationals. And, and I, I mean, was like, you lie. There was all kinds of, one guy came up. He said, we heard you bought it for a million dollars. I'm like, <laughs> Thank you that you actually uh, yeah, think right. that, you that know. we roll, you know. So it's just funny that, way, that and it was it was because we competed that that year. That was our last year competing at the Grand National. So they announced it on Sunday night, and we got to work right away. And we got with them. Like I said, we had already been groomed a little bit, and but it, it was a lot of work, and it still is a lot of work. I mean, it as y'all know, I mean, it's a lot of work. But and the whole weekend you're there, you are stressed to the. I mean, you just you're you know, Deborah, you're in our room all weekend, you know. I mean, we're stressed, ready to, you know, jump there's, off out the window. There's so much that goes on behind the scenes that people don't understand. Um, that's That's what makes it difficult. Social media, I think, and there was a discussion on Facebook just not too long ago, kind of about this and about events and social media and, and you know, not waiting, you know, um, people, event directors not responding the week of an event. Um, what, you know, once they've been sent messages on social media and why they can't respond. And I'm like, well, first of all, like if you expect to get a response back immediately right away, I, w- I went to bed one night at Grand Nationals this past year. I had over 40 direct messages in my Facebook, like in our, in our event page inbox. I didn't even see those all day long until I just happened to be laying in bed with like, you know, one eye half open. And I see that my mailbox is slammed, you know, and, and so there's just so much that goes on. I think social media has added a whole new level to that. It's, it's definitely not a two person show anymore. I feel like the first year we, we had such a good grasp of, of everything that went on and what happened. And, and, you know, for the most part, I feel like things the first year, I feel like if anything, we have more fires now than we did the first year. Yeah. I feel like there's just so many more moving parts now than there were even the very first year that, that we ran it. Yeah. And one thing, do you think that's because you've um, 
you've rebranded it a little bit. You've done things that are a little bit different than how Grand Nationals is running. Like you've expanded your t-shirt sales and it's just different. So you have it more is. things it's to worry about. It was even nine years ago. And right. I remember Tanya Martin told me one time our very first year about the whole fight. And I try to remember this every year when there's like a fire to put out, you know, I don't remember exactly how she worded it, but she's like, the only advice I can give you is when you're putting out a fire and as soon as you walk out on the floor or into the next to the next attendee, they don't care about that fire. You need to be just as happy and just it, it's all about their experience. And that's so true. Like somebody something happened this year and it's like, God, you know, I can't make fix. You know, just get it. Just get us. It bothers because some was there was an issue with something. Mm-hmm. We want everybody to be happy. Well, then I'd walk to the next person. I just couldn't carry my frustration over to the next person. I really had to. They don't care about what just happened. They want, you know, they're there to have a good time and their experience. So that was something she always told us. And I know that first year talking about family and communication and my family being there. I mean, our, fam- our families work a lot. And all those mothers yes. that watched me in the club when I was 11 are now there volunteering and working. And I know the first couple of years it was hard. You know, I remember to get Linda Bellflower, who used to help Jackie. She used to, she, and she helped us the first couple of years and still does some there was something that needed to be moved. And I went over to her and I'm like, Linda, do you, could you please do me a favor? Like I, I was almost like sweet talking to her to get her to do something. You know, here I am talking to somebody I look up to and I need her. I'm kind of bossing her around, you know, that was hard. And she finally looked at me. She said, you don't have to say, please just tell me what to do. (laughs) Like, you know, don't, don't, you know, and I felt bad about asking for help, but you know, it takes a village. We you know, it takes more people to run it than just the two of us. So that and all those family people that we've had all those years, I mean, Jessica and Garrett are there. And I mean, they were college roommates. We've known them for 30 years. And I'm telling you, they work their tails off. Joey right. and Jennifer. I mean, there's so many people that we couldn't do it without them. And right. that's and Charlie and Jackie said the same thing. There's so many people that help you. And you've got to have that. It, it, the two of us cannot run it by ourselves. I mean, it's 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 a lot of work, but we I love every minute of it. I get home and I love every minute of it. That's a really long answer to your question. We feel very honored to be able to for 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 us it's personal. You know, I think I think a lot of people um, get into event directing for a variety of different reasons. Yeah, and yeah. For us it's personal. You know, for us it's being you able grew to grow up with it. Being able to carry on a tradition that was so influential in our life and and hoping and trying to keep the two communities intertwined in some way. And, you know, we find that as as more and more events pop up, it does get more difficult to do that. Um, More and more swing events pop up. Yeah, I think so. I I think because we were a very traditional event. Mm -hmm. every aspect it's competition heavy not many of the dancers today are interested in kind of competition heavy kind of events i think competition has shifted it used to be more routines now it's you know more jack and jill's more strictly's Mm -hmm. all americans etc more unique type events um where people can work on their dance individually whereas you know in the past it was more of kind of working on your dance more of a more as a couple um, it's harder, it's harder to be successful in that environment, I feel like. But I think that's what separates you from, you know, the other events, because you are two 
two swing dances that come from the same parent, Lindy Hop, that coexist together in such a nice way. I mean, I don't know where, like, honestly, like, Grand Nationals is a big part of my history of my dancing. Had Grand Nationals not been around, I don't know if I I would have the footwork that I have and have the friends, you know, that I have. You know, I have a lot of friends um, in the Shack community who I consider family, you guys being, you know, one of them. And, And I think it's really important for people to understand that Shag and West Coast are a really huge part of our cloth. We need each other. Right, absolutely. And, and I think the more people uh, that get exposed to Shag um, through West Coast and then the more people that get exposed to West Coast through Shag will only help, you know, Grand Nationals. You're the only event of its kind. Yeah, I know. I, I, I think that's why we, you know, every year we go back to the drawing board. Should we change this? Should we... Do we do this? Should we, you know, what would attract more people? What would kind of introduce more people to our, you know, to the shag community? How can we, how can we make it a better experience for West Coast swing dancers, but yet still maintain our shag divisions and still maintain, you know, the, integrity. Still maintain the integrity? And it, it is so hard. It's so hard every year to kind of go forward trying to make two communities happy, right? Trying to make two communities feel like. Um, they're respected and that, that we put equal emphasis on both communities. Um, the music is always hard, Uh you know, it's always hard. Um, you know, you, you don't have to love shag music, but I think you, I think you, you can respect it, you know, just like shag dancers don't have to love some of the music the west coast swing dancers dance to but they can respect the dance and you know respect the skill um and so i I don't know i think i think we have come a long way i think i think in some retrospects we we take some steps back some years i feel like and then some years we take some steps forward but um that's what growing is all about even in just life yeah, for sure. For sure. I mean, we don't, we don't regret it. It's something we, we look forward to every year. We are glad when it's over. <laughs> um, mostly from the sleep aspect, because we right. don't really sleep or eat, you know, during that time period. But um, it's a big part of who we are, you know, yeah. it's a, it's a big part of. And you know, like Deborah said, I mean, we would not have probably had the success we had in dancing had it not been for Grand Nationals. I mean, we would have, with, I mean, a hundred percent, I mean, obviously we would have never won the grand nationals without the grand nationals, but all of our other successes in not all of them, but a lot of our successes in the nationals and our regular lives and, you know, would not have has been, wouldn't have been like it was if it hadn't been for grand nationals. I mean, we met so many people. I mean, yeah, it, it just changed everything. I mean, I just think back to all the nights that we would sit and exchange like, Okay, well, hours. I saw you do this move. How do you how do you do this? Or teach me teach me the whip. Teach me teach me how to do this. Or let's let's make up something cool together that we can right. mix and shag together. And and just sitting out in the atrium like on Sunday night and playing games and chasing each other and then running back in the ballrooms and dancing and coming back and watching the sun come up and mm-hmm. it was just so much of like our childhood and 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 kind of growing up and we just we want especially kids in our community we want them to we want them to experience that what you you did right exactly right 
You mentioned the challenges of trying to appeal to both West Coast and Shag. I'm curious if you could share, you know, you mentioned music as being one example. Um, what are sort of the key things that you find yourselves coming back to year after year? And what are some things that you've done that have worked to really help create a good experience for these two very different communities? That's a great question. I know what it used to be. You know, it used to be the first couple of years there was just one ballroom, and everybody just danced in the main ballroom. That was because the music was a lot more bluesy for both communities, right. and that kind of was the way for many years. And then it's you know West Coast started changing a little more to contemporary kind of music, but still had the blues aspect and shag. So somehow or another, the smaller ballroom kind of got coined as the shag room, right. which is great. But I think the ultimate goal behind the event was never to have a it was to have one swing room instead of one west coast and one shag room um and one thing now you know we find we have a shag dj and a swing dj on thursday nights in the main ballroom and you know they kind of mix back and forth and we get a few complaints from the west coast people that's too much shag music well it's not just shag music it's sam cook or you know right (laughs) swing music and it's just and a little bit of it's educating them and and, and then at the same time, when the swing DJ would play a few swing, you know, I say swing music, that's not when they would play a little more contemporary stuff or West Coast or West Coasty, you know, music from today. The shag people would come over. That's too. That's too. That's not. We can't dance to that, you know. So that's always a struggle back and forth. But I hate to say, well, we'll just put a DJ in the other room and let y'all do it over there and y'all do yours over here. And the reason behind that event is to be one family. Um, and we put a, a dance floor this past two years out in the atrium. So at least kind of in the middle to kind of maybe bridge the two rooms. So there is a lot of dancing out there now, which is good. And you find a lot of the dancers are hanging out in between the two rooms. If they hear something over here, they go in there and they, you know, so that the music is probably the biggest thing. Um, you know, that's, that's probably the biggest thing when you think. See, and I, saying, I, I, mean, I hang out in the, mostly the shag room all weekends because right. I don't get to listen to that music. And I want to dance with the Shaggers. And it's the atmosphere, too. My, one of my greatest experiences at Grand National, I was living in D.C. for a few years, and I had the chance to, to take workshops with Charlie and Jackie. So I got into Shag for a little bit. And nice. I went to Grand Nationals that year. And Sunday night, it was like, I, I didn't even know where the room was. Somebody was like, you got to go to the Shag room. That's, that's where all the West Coast Wing Pros were. And I yeah. found it. It was like down a separate hallway. And you go into this little room, and a, a Butch was DJing. And of course, Butch knows everybody in the room. So he's like, this one's for so-and-so and and this one's for so-and-so. And And it was like a family party in this room. And it was one of the best experiences I had at any event, um, that atmosphere. That's so true. Like you walk in the shag room now, you see Judy Duke sitting at the table beside her daughter who is dancing and then her three grandkids dancing. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's back to the whole family thing, which is what makes, I feel like Grand National is a little different as well. Um, And this past year we did... um, you know, trying to keep the music and keep in both communities kind of happy and, and doing what they love. We, we did, a, we had two um, of our good friends come and play vinyl, like records. Um, so good. We had a vinyl, so par- we had a vinyl so party. So they, they played records for the shag people to dance to for Friday night. And then they ended up playing again Sunday night. I mean, and what was kind of cool too, is to see some of the swing dancers, they would send us messages and like, what is vinyl party? Like, what does that mean? <laughs> You know, and I guess that they don't have, we have those what in Shaggy. <laughs> yeah. And this one guy said, I, he sent me a message and he was in there on Friday night. He had never seen a record play in person. Wow. 
So I introduced it's unbelievable. Him. Unbelievable. So I it's introduced him to, to Alan and Brooks, who were doing the DJ, and and this little kid was fascinated. He sat there and watched him clean the record and put the record on and listen to it and cue it up. I mean, you know, he had never seen it, and he made a point to thank me for having it. And you know, it was just kind of cool. It was kind of cool to see through him his first record being played, and the music was great, and he danced all night. I mean, so, it's interesting to, to to for people to you know the generation now not to recognize and understand that that's how we used to dance to yeah, records. That record, yes, right. yes, the record. So that was kind of cool that to see that kid who's a swing dancer appreciate it and understand it and dance to it. So. Yeah. But I think music's the hardest thing. and I think scheduling is hard, too, because, you know, we often get questions. Well, you know, I was considering coming, but there's only, you know, there's only one event I can compete in because you don't have, you know, you don't have um, Strictly's. You don't have, you know, All-Star Strictly or you don't have yeah, yeah, yeah. All-American or, or whatever. And the thing is, it's just we just don't have the time in the schedule. Because we have this shag events that most swing events don't. So. Again, to to showcase both communities you only have so much ballroom time Mm -hmm. right and then you have the crowd that gets mad when social dancing doesn't start until 9 p.m and you know if you're especially if you're a nasty event there's no way that's happening unless but don't you think it's don't you think it's really uh interesting that people would make would make a statement like that because last time i checked i don't spend between 90 and 150 dollars for an event ticket to social dance i spend 90 to 150 dollars to see the best people compete and i get to compete a little bit and i get to social dance a little bit so if if okay. i if i have the uh, you know the opportunity to go to say grand nationals or or the open i go there to watch great competitions and maybe compete a little bit not to be like well there's no there's no place for me to compete those are the people i really don't want at my event honestly Right. Well, I, I mean, you know, I think th- that's why I said I think uh, I think the dance has changed, you know, so much and, and not that it's not in a bad way. Like it, it evolves just like everything else. But, right. You know, I, I think for so long when we first started and at least when we were first introduced to the swing community, again, it was the pre YouTube days mm-hmm. where you, the only time you got to see routine routine divisions was live. Right. You could, you know, unless you had a, you know, the VHS or whatever, and you could right. go back and watch it that way. But, you know, that was why you came to dance events. You came to watch the routines and, you know, Jack and Jill's were kind of first getting their start. And, and now I think people, you know, just have different motivations and different priorities for, for how they, there's so many events and they're so expensive that they have different priorities for how they select when and what event they want to go to, which, which I understand. I totally understand. I, I think sometimes it's just hard for, if you really don't understand the, perhaps the history of the event or really kind of the whole point of the event, it's very Mm -hmm. easy to just point fingers and put blame on, well, you know, I don't like going to that event because I don't like music or I don't like going to that event because there's too much shag or I don't like going to that event because there's not enough uh, divisions that I can compete in. I know. And I, I feel like, I feel like for me, that, that's, that's someone who's not really, um, who's not really in dance for the love of dance, you know, so to speak. I mean, like, it's not like I was able to compete every year at Grand National. Cause there was some point where, you know, Robin and I stopped dancing 
together. And the only division I could compete in was Strictly Swing. So I would come to Grand Nationals just for Strictly Swing, even when I wasn't like teaching a workshop. And and then realized, you know, after coming and hired by myself, I was like, well, I'm going to go. I'm going to compete in the shag division now. I'm going to go in the shag. Jack and Jill and experience something different. I think it's important for people to experience different things. And Grand Nationals has so many things to offer for so many people. And there's so many experiences that happen in just one weekend that I think it's ridiculous. More people need to come experience Grand Nationals just for the experience of it. Yeah. It is funny because sometimes um, Michael and I complain sometimes at the event because, you know, uh, someone's late showing up for an assignment or, or, you know, something, you know, a contest is not running on time or something. And, and, um, Victor Lavera actually made this comment to me one time. He was like, I don't know what it is about grand nationals. He's like, there's something about grand nationals. He's like, people just come and it's just like, it's a party or, or, you know, like family family and you know, whatever. And he was like, they just, they just lose track of time and they just can't get it together and be where they're supposed to be or do what they're supposed to do. And, you know, that comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. And so we love that, but at the same time, we (laughs) hate that sometimes because, you know, like if, if something's not running on time or, or whatever, it's like, well, I'm glad, I'm, I'm glad people are having fun. That's the whole point of it, right? Is for the experience. And, um, you know, my type A over here for five minutes late, I guess I'm just going to shut my mouth and get over it. You're you know? preaching to the choir. Totally. <laughs> you know, that's why we're friends. We just want people, we want everybody to come listening, obviously to come to Grand Nationals. We just want people to come and experience what we enjoyed for 25 years, or oh, we still enjoy it, but, and hopefully there's so many things about it. There's, there's adults um, and there's juniors and there's, shag and there's swing and there's ice cream social and then there's a costume party and and then there's the vinyl party and then there's the mixed doubles on sunday i mean and then there's a cabaret that's always brilliant at grand nationals i mean and the list and then there's the champions uh, you know strictly for swing that's great and the junior shag dancers that that are amazing and the master shag dancers i mean and i could go on and on about grand nationals and it's no no secret that grand Nash, i love lots of events but grand nationals is my number one it always has been, and it still is. I didn't, I didn't know that, but we appreciate oh, that. Obviously, it's our, it's our number one, too. But <laughs> It always has been, and it still is. As you said, you just celebrated your the 25th anniversary of the event, which is a huge milestone. In fact, looking at a lot of events, a lot of events don't make it that long or don't stay as relevant and as, as well attended um, over the years. How did you approach celebrating the event this year, the, the anniversary and, and the history of the event? Because I know you did some special presentations, including Deborah, to honor the yeah. history of the event. That's and that's hard. You know, it's like you know, you want it. You you don't want to sit back and I mean, not that everybody there doesn't care what happened twenty five years ago, but they should. Mm-hmm. So I didn't. We didn't want to be on the mic just talking about every little thing that's happened over the years. But at the same time, we wanted to. We wanted to do enough so people understood that if it was their first year, we wanted them to understand kind of why things are the way they are, why the dance looks the way it is, why the ballroom is this way. So we, you know, we were like, how can we bring, you know, from the decor, we we brought the original backdrop down that Charlie and Jackie used for the first 16 years. And we couldn't decide where to put it. So we actually put it in the in the main ballroom in the corner 
and they has the neon light to dance and that stayed on all weekend. So that was kind of like the little throwback area. So, and we pointed that out a couple of times so people would see that. So we wanted them to kind of know, like we kept, when we did the new logo, we kept the word dance in the same font and everything. And some people didn't realize that was really what, but if you look at it, you see, sure. it, you know, oh, there it is. So we did that. And then we wanted to do like a flashback, you know, we didn't want the flashbacks to go on for hours and hours and hours. So we tried to space it. You know, we just tried to space it in the right spaces when people were in there and it wasn't in their face too long. So we tried to look at some of the couples that had been around at the beginning and through the years. And there's so many more. I mean, it's just there's we, so I mean, many more. If we had an unlimited budget, we would have invited. It would still be going on right now because there were so <laughs> that influenced the event and dance. We would have invited everybody. You know, we you know, we wanted, you know, um, Angel and Debbie Figueroa to be there, but he, you know, we, we had already seen that he had committed to another event. We, you know, some people that we would like, you know, obviously we would have loved to have seen Wayne and Charlotte, but, you know, Wayne, unfortunately is, is no longer, is no longer with us. The two of them have been such icons in the new community. Yeah. Special people in the community and, and in our life. And we're always so embracing of the shag community and Charlotte obviously still is to this day. And mm-hmm. we adore her. Um, but there was so many people we wanted to, you know, we, we wanted Parker and Katie to dance. We wanted, you know, Jessica and Parker to dance. We wanted Melissa and RJ to dance. You know, we wanted right. all of the people who'd had these impactful dances to come be a part of it. But when we get back to scheduling again, Mm-hmm. Um, we get back to money and, you know, prior commitments and, and things like that. And so we really just kind of had to sit down and think about, you know, if we could kind of pick and choose, you know, uh, six or seven kind of dances that we feel like, or, or couples that we feel like have been impactful for this event, who would they be? Um, and that's kind of what led us to our list. One of the reasons why we danced is because we made a bet with, with Charlie and Jackie and Robert last year that we would dance. And so we felt like, well, we'll just, this is kind of how we recoup this. And that was really how we got Charlie and Jackie to dance as well too, because they're much like us too. They don't, they don't really want to be in the, in the spotlight, you know, they want to, they want, they want the event to carry on and for other people to, you know, kind of become the stars and become the champions. And, and so anyway, it was kind of fun. Then we went back and forth with, well, how do, how do we promote it? Do we want to promote it? Do we want it to be a surprise? Well, then how are we going to ensure that we get people in the ballroom? And as an event director, you always want to, you want that surprise component, Mm -hmm. but you never know when people are going to be in the ballroom and when they're not. And you would hate to put all the time and energy into something and the couples to put time and energy like, you know, Deborah, you, you and Robert, you know, the time and energy that you guys put into to practicing and being prepared to dance. You well, would I was, uh, we weren't as I mean, we, we met up that weekend because we don't see each other. You still put time. That's still yes. time you put in that. Right. That. Um, unfortunately, Michael and I did not have a lot of time to put in. So. <laughs> Well, let me just we look. will say that the time and effort was not there for us. Unfortunately, we were the the event issues overtook the practicing. But, but she looked beautiful, so that's well, all. That but anyway, that's that's so that's how the list came about. Um, Grayson Smith was a very last minute addition, which 
you know, for those of you that don't know him in the swing world, he's um, huge part of the shag community. Huge part of the shag community, you know, just a guy with a huge heart, and mm-hmm. you can see it everything that he does when he steps on the dance floor. And um, I had not seen him in over fifteen years. You know, yeah. he's a successful lawyer. You know, he doesn't come around the dance community the times that he has been around. Unfortunately, I, Michael and I have not been around. And so you can only imagine how special that was for him and his family to be at the 25th right. because he at, he's at the, the first. Um, and then for him and Jessica to actually dance was also you know, pretty special for us. And then clearly, you know, um, Having Robert and Deborah dance was like everything. Michael, Michael, and I, that was probably my highlight of the weekend. Honestly, it was definitely <laughs> it was, and I, I saw him practicing that morning. And I got I came back to the room. I said, I'm so dang excited. When Michael and I first had the idea <laughs> of of kind of doing this, you know, we just didn't know what people would want to do. You know, so we we kind of offered up the opportunity. You know, if you want to do the whole routine, you can. If you want to just do a part of it, a section. Um, if you want to do a plan part and then social dance the rest, like it's completely up to you. And so Deborah complete, completely surprised Michael and I. She told us that they were going to do the first part of Chains, the slow part, and, and then they were going to go into the faster song, and then they were just going to social dance. And, and we like, weren't going to wear costumes. We weren't going to wear a costume. I'm like, as long as you tell me you guys are dancing, mm-hmm. what honestly, whatever you want to do, we are totally okay with. Um. And so then, once the song converted over, I, I just remember standing there, and I looked at Michael, and I slapped him on the arm. I was like, oh, my God, they are doing the whole routine. <laughs> and so then I think he and I both started, like, going crazy. And, um, you know, by the end of all of the couples, I was just, like, so emotional that. Yeah, you were crying hot mess. I left it. <laughs> I, know, I was in, I'm sensitive. And what was really kind of cool about the whole flashback thing, too, standing over there on the side, you know, I see Charlie and Jackie out there. And then I see Sam and Sarah, who I was always we always competed with them for the past 25 years, Grayson and Jessica. And then then on Saturday night for the swing, I competed with, you know, with with against Kyle and Sarah, Jordan and Tatiana, and then with Robert and Deborah. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was just it, it was it was really like old times. And I don't think it was too much. And it was. And then it was important for us, although I felt really terrible because we had some technical difficulties, but cabaret has always been such a big component of our event as well. And unfortunately, some of the best cabaret couples are, you know, not dancing together anymore or have since retired. And so that was one of the reasons why it was so important to to have Gary and Susan, you know, kind of do their cabaret routine right. on Sunday as well as kind sure. of a reminder that there are not many dance events that still have cabaret. Right. And such a huge part of our history as well. And yes. um, so that kind of rounded out that kind of the 25th kind of celebrations. And um, there were some other things that we wanted to do. Time kind of got away from us. And like always, you know, you're, you have all these pipe dreams, but sometimes when it really comes down to being able to organize those and figure out how all of those are going to work with scheduling, it sometimes it just can't happen. So you kind of have to prioritize and just figure out what are the things that I do want to do. And, and the things that you did do were the crowd went bananas. Yeah. Yeah. The crowd did seem to enjoy the flashbacks, which is, which is really good. Mm-hmm. So, and they, they enjoyed the flashbacks on Friday, on Saturday, they enjoyed Gary and Susan 
um, on Sunday. I mean, it was a, it was. And then a, we had Grace. We had Grace. Yeah, we had Grace. Forget about Grace. Because she emceed it from 90, about five or six years there. Right. So that was great to have her back. So that was even, that was kind of an added on last minute. That was and she that won was, Entertainer of the Year. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. You know, that was actually something that we took a, we took a potential problem in that, you know, um, you know, Fresno was celebrate was having their big final celebration as well. And, you know, Robert, um, which I completely understand, stood, feel, felt the need to be present at both. And we wanted him to be able to do that. But then it, it left this big hole in our event and that who are we going to get do this? And so when we started thinking about it, Michael's like, I'm going to reach out to Grace. There's no way she's going to say yes because right. she's busy, so busy. and yeah. has a successful career. And and I don't even know that she she had to, like, take time to think about it. Yeah, I she mean, responded right away, done, I'm there. Absolutely. <laughs> Tell me when I need to come, what I need to do. Um, and she was just phenomenal all weekend. I think she brought a, a, a new, different element to the event this year that um, – and for those that had been there in the past, it was like, it was a familiarity of. Well, I think what's great about it is that, you know, because she was part of, of both dance communities, right. she understands um, the history of the shag and of swing, which, which is, this is another great segue for my question. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, we've talked a lot about the importance of knowing your history and the share community does a great job of knowing and honoring its history. What do you think you all do to keep your history alive that the West Coast swing community can learn from? <laughs> Don't all jump at the chance to answer this question. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to, to make sure I, I say everything. I think one of the ways that we preserve our history is to continue to respect and honor the people that, made that history, you know, um, to, to ensure that, that people know what happened and know the history of our dance and know the key players and, you know, to continue to ask those people to dance and, um, to show them respect, show them respect and, and, you know, to, to take the things that they learn from those people now and to, to pass those on kind of to the next generation. I think that's how we, kind of preserve our history. And then, and then the other thing too, is I think continuing to mold our young community. That's also how we preserve our history. Um, in our community, if you say junior shaggers, people are jumping at the bit to do whatever they can to help, whether it's money, whether it's time, whether it's clothing, whether it's shoes, whether it's, um, a fundraiser, what, whatever it is. And so I think all of those are kind of ways that we work to preserve our history. That's true. And we have a little bit of an advantage, I think, is a, is a because it's shag is mainly in North South Carolina, you know, like the Southeast. I could go to the beach tonight and dance with 25 Hall of Fame dancers. Right. Because they're all, they're all there, not all there, but they're, they're there a lot of the time, you know. It's you know if we go to New York, I'm not going to get to dance with uh, West Coast Swing. I mean, I may get to dance with some of the Hall of Fame. Yeah, no, or, right. I totally understand. Yeah, like I said, so, your 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 dance is is not just a dance; it's a culture. Right. It's a and lifestyle. I think that's to our, right, absolutely. So, and we have you know, if you go to Myrtle Beach, there's like the Shag Hall of Fame, 
it's kind of like the it's in the hallway of the big hotel down there, but it's essentially like the museum. I mean, you walk down, right. and everybody's got in the fame. There's their pictures, their bios, their a, their yeah, kid the OG, picture. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. And then like at Junior SOS and stuff, they that's where Junior SOS right. is held. So one thing I encourage them to do is, um, I don't know if they've done it this year, but in the past they've encouraged them to go down and read. Well, we're doing the scavenger hunt. Oh, right. Year. So part of the scavenger hunt this year is look for some of the Hall of Fame people, find who got it in 1998, read their bio. Right. So, and it's all right there. So it's kind of cool to walk through a junior SOS through the hallways and there's all these pictures and you see these little 10 year olds reading these bios of Shad Alberti, you know, and they respect them too. Right. And I say Shad Alberti, I don't have to say now Shad was this person, this person, this person. They know. They know. I feel like one of the challenges we have in West Coast Swing is, um, at least in my experience working with newer dancers who are just coming into the community now is the dance looks rather different. I mean, it's not in its essence. We're still doing whips, passes, pushes, but the dance looks different. Like the, the style has changed a lot. And so, and I feel like in general, we're just a forward looking community. Would you agree, Deborah? Yes. Kind of always looking forward at what's next and pushing the dance. Um, It's just a, we don't have that. Remembering what came. Yeah, we don't have that, you know, that sense of family. Like we came from somewhere and a sense of our history and our ancestry in the same way. Um, but definitely the, the changing dance. I feel like a lot of people are looking at the new hot thing, right? We look at the new hot music and we look at the new hot dancers and the new hot moves. Um, but because the dance looks different when I show people, you know, if I show them uh, a Charlie and Jackie or I show them a, a Ramiro and Sylvia or a Charlotte and Wayne, um, they don't instinctively appreciate it. <laughs> you know, they're like, that's what we did. It's not what we do. Um, mm-hmm. I find that I, not in a necessarily an attitudinal kind of way, like, but it doesn't resonate with them the same way. Do you find right. the same thing happening in the new shag community as some of these newer dancers? Um, you know, you were talking about some of the, the followers who are kind of pushing the dance a bit. Um, do you have the same experience in shag? And if so, what has been the response? Um, not as much. And I think, you know, I feel like when I did, if I do West Coast Swing, I feel like I could really push the envelope. When I dance in a shag competition, I can push the envelope, but the envelope is real small. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I'm going to push it so far because I know I don't, I want it to still look the same as it did. Not the exact same, but I want it to. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so funny. You get the dog. No, you get the dog. Sorry, we we have a top A um, bird stalker watcher in our home, so <laughs> we are so sorry. Um, so basically, I, I I know where my limits are. I know I can't push it beyond recognition. I guess that's the. Mm-hmm. It still has to fit within the parameters of what shag is and looks like shag, which is what we used to do. We would see we would see a swing move pattern whatever, and we're like, okay, that was really cool. How well, do we I think, take I that? Think people should know that because they don't know again because most of the people that listen are West Coast swing dancers. That Michael and Lee Ann, when they were in their prime, pushed the envelope in Shag because right. of your experience, Michael, being part of the West Coast swing community, and also Lee Ann being in there as well. So it's important for people to know that. But you guys pushing the envelope didn't push it so far that it became unrecognizable shag. 
And right. I think that's I think that's the that's the that's the key. And I think that sometimes what is missing, maybe even in both communities, is kind of knowing knowing your limits, knowing that it's one thing to you know feel creative and and know that the dance is evolving and and again trying to push the envelope, but knowing kind of again what your limit is. You can only push it so far that it still ma- maintains the integrity of the dance and it's still recognizable. And right. I think I, I think that can be a debate in both communities, honestly. Michael says not so much, but I I think it certainly can in Shag. There's there's some events that I leave thinking, hmm. Yeah, but I don't think that, th- so there's, there's a- as much of a problem sometimes as it is in West Coast, but there is sometimes some events that we go to or or division that we'll watch and we're like, you know, if less is more sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like scale it back, just bring it in and just you know, a little bit and it would be even that much better and more impactful. And I think one thing too, that it's, it's all, and I, we've said even when we were in our prime, a lot of it has to do with, the the people on top at the moment and if the people yes. on top at the moment are pushing the envelope and not that anybody's doing this but if if i'm gonna throw leanne over my head and i win the, and i win the title the little kids tomorrow are gonna throw the girl over their head and to try to win the title so it's like it's they're watching the people on top and if the people on top are getting away with it it just it's gonna you know it's so then they you always want to emulate whoever's on top no so I, know, I know that we, happens a lot in our community for sure yeah. Whatever's winning, whatever's the trend. I mean that that happens in both that happens in both communities for sure. Right, but there's I think in our like we, we have something going on in our community where uh, there are some people that that want to change the name of our dance and you know they want to change the, the the way we teach the dance and it's just like it's you know I feel like if we change the name of our dance then we negate the history that be, that came before it because the people that learn it with this new name are going to are not going to know what our dance is sure or who the people were that came before and they don't we don't have that in your community where people are trying really hard to almost you know erase some of what's happened before that's what i think the difference is what does pushing the dance look like in shag because you said michael that it's a small envelope so leanne when you walk away from an an event and say well that wasn't that was borderline what does that look like in shag um it's not having precise confined movements Mm -hmm. it's doing everything I, i always said you know if you go back and watch some of the old vhs tape um of when swing was first introduced to shag, you know, swing, you know, there's one step in particular, Deborah, you know what I'm talking about. You, yep. Eric, you probably know well, flamingo, everyone did the flamingos, right? It was yep. step, try, Jackie talk. The difference when you saw a shag dancer do it and a swing dancer do it is that swing dancers would take that footwork and make it really, really big because they felt like the bigger it was, the more impactful it was, right. you know, when in, when in, in all actuality, really, the more the tighter, more precise the movement is, the more impactful it is. Right. And so we see a lot of that in shag where movements and things are way bigger than what they need to be, whether it be hand movements, um, sweeps, um, flybacks. Um, those are the things that I kind of take account too it's like you know based off of the things that we're actually um judged on you know um smoothness 
togetherness, repertoire, you know, repertoire being how you get in and out of things, how, um, what type of variety of movements are you doing on time to the beat of the music. Right. Um, to me, like that takes away from all of those things that we're being critiqued on. And so, sir, you know, when I watch someone dance, I always, when I, and I see that I'm always like, less is more, you know, if you, if you would take the same exact moves or movements that you're doing and bring it down about five notches, make it smaller, make it more concise, use your hips more to kind of, you know, which is more impressive. It is. Yeah. And really that's what swing dancers I think have always been most impressed about with Jag. It's not, anyone can get out there and do these really large movements, you know? Um, so those are kind of the things that I see. Also, I think what's really getting a lot of criticism now too, is that um, routines are coming into question for Shag. Um, you know, we have some people in our community that are super talented, both from a musicality standpoint, from, you know, a, physicality standpoint, um, ability, things like that. But then you've got some, again, that are trying to emulate that. And the only way they can emulate that is by choreographing routines. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not actually hitting a break or or pulling out something from the music because they know the music so well and because they're, you know, an expert in musicality. Um, And so I think that's created some controversy. And I think if you were to ask people who've been around Shag for a very long time, they would say that that has actually come, that has been an influence of the swing community. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, for me, I think it's just, and people used to accuse us of that as well. And, you know, we, you fight criticism all the time. You know, and usually 99% of it is not true. Um, but people used to accuse of, accuse us of that all the time, too. Like, well, you know, you know, you hit. How did you know that that break was there? Well, it's because we listen to our music all the time. Right. You know, we don't choreograph. Um, it's because we practice. We put in the work. We put in the time. And we know our music. And I'm biased, but I think Michael's one of the most talented people I know. So I agree with that statement, you know, so wow. it's that those are the kind of things that we see, you know, in our community that leave into question, you know, if we're staying true to our roots and, and to our home base, so to speak. Right. But I, do, I do think the champions drive that a lot, like the champions and whatever dance it is, whether it's juniors or you know, in our community, sometimes, you know, juniors drive a lot of kind of what's, what's trendy, what are people doing? Yeah. Um, you know, and so anyway, I, I, I think, I think it's very true though. It parallels in both communities to emulate does. what's on top and kind of trickles down. Right. Yeah. Well, we've talked on the show about how shag has influenced West coast swing, like you said, flamingo and other footwork. Um, and a, a lot of our top pros who have looked at shag and brought that footwork in. We've had people like Brent and, um, Brenner, Right. Other people have kind of come in and brought that flavor and really it's trickled down through the community. Um, you mentioned a little bit about how West Coast has influenced shag, but what, what are some of the ways that you see West Coast swing changing shag or having an influence on how it's done? Well, I, I think I think musicality. I mean, I think if you go back and watch. That's you know, so, yeah. 
watch people dancing 20 years ago, they would dance right through the, break, the most the musical first, part or yeah. the break of the song. The first time we danced, the first year we won the, the nationals and the overall when we were 16, we danced to Avalon, which is probably the best song of all time. But it has <laughs> all these cool breaks and the music is just insane. There's breaks, there's hits, there's music. And we actually, it wasn't a routine, but we danced. I hit every piano in that song and every break I'd spin her and she'd stop on a dime. And, you know, everybody's like, well, that was a routine. Well, no, we know the music and we, we can, we can feel that happening. So like, that was a big, that was, that was a big influence on us. Like we would, two years prior to that, we would have danced right through every bit of that break and never even heard it. And we used to get criticized for that in competitions. Right. We would hit a break and no one else would. And now all of a sudden we're dancing a routine. And what would happen too is we'd hit a break and people say, "Oh, well, that's swing." So I stopped when the music stopped. Means I'm doing swing. Yeah, they they just that was just kind of the go-to a lot of times. Right. Oh, well, that's swing. I could have gotten it from a a Lindy dancer, but it's they, swing. They're, they they couldn't you know, make the connection that you know well, they were dance, like, well, hitting so. the break is actually like interpreting the music because that right. was part of your dance, I think what, what's important for people to recognize is that it's not that shag dancers don't have the ability to hit breaks. It just wasn't part of uh, your the, dance at the time. Right. And then when you were influenced by West Coast Swing, you were like, wait a minute, we hear this too. How do we make this work in our dance? Right. And the trick was making it work. We were doing all shag when we were hitting the breaks. Right. That was the trick. You know, we didn't hit it and then do something with our body or whatever. We hit it with our feet. And if the song, as the song was really building, we were building our, our best stuff was going on during the build of the music too. So we kind of, we use that to our advantage being around the swing community. The music's building, let's do our best stuff. You're going to feel that in the, the room. You feel it. You feel our best stuff going crazy and the music's going crazy. It just, it added just a different element of just doing our best step anywhere in the song. Right. So and I, I feel like, don't you feel like that, <clears throat> not to cut you off. But don't you feel like also that um, Charlie and Jackie uh, did that too? Like when they first went to the U.S. Open, they danced to Avalon, if I remember correctly. And they hit the brakes, but they did shag. Right. So that's kind of something that influenced you as well. Yeah, absolutely. And then seeing them doing their routines. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And they would bring stuff back like that they had seen or done or seen other swing dancers do. And what they would do is they had a good – they were able to take it and make it look like a shag step, which is what we tried to do. Which is what we tried to do. Right. If they saw, if they saw Mario and Carmen do something that was huge and big, they would bring it back. Instead of doing it huge and big, they would do it real square in the slot and very tight. Right. And the place would go insane. By the way, um, I wanted to ask you guys about this because um, I, I did a private. Uh, you guys might know Helen Taco, who's a, a DJ oh, yeah. dancer, and so she and I we were dating at the time and we learned shag together and we took a private from Charlie and Jackie and we were like, make us not look like West coast swing dancers, <laughs> like show us the pivot. And it was some, somebody's house in some little small room. And then, um, Jackie had to go teach another private and we were in the kitchen with Charlie and he was telling us how shag used to be more circular, but because of West coast swing, it got a little, a more, little linear more linear and trying to present it. Yeah, definitely slotting came from West coast swing. Hmm. We used to not be a slotted dance. So like, you know, he would take me into a pivot, you know, and he would put me out. God only knows which side. Right. I mean, <laughs> it was like roll the dice and, you know, it could be 
And it's still, if you dance with a Hall of Famer, it's still that way. Yeah, know? I'll push, I dance with Susan Neal at Grand Nationals, and I go to push her out, and she's from that era where there's no slot. And right. I enjoy doing it because it's just a different, it's a yeah. different, she would just go out completely, who knows where. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is funny because I remember the first time Charlie and Jack, I wasn't quite dancing yet, but looking at the videos, you can see all of a sudden one year everybody's dancing circular. Charlie and Jackie go to the open, they come right. back and dance the nationals and now they're slotted all the videos are good now because you got a couple on either side right you're not you you see everything and as a judge you can see it because it's slotted instead of circuit you know you know you're welcome (laughs) and and all of a sudden the next that's that's one year and then the next year they come back and every couple is slotted wow it was that fast i mean that fast fast. yeah so that's really interesting also, yep. what person? This is another question I had for you because this has come up a lot, and I remember Kyle Red once said, "When shaggers learn to lead, follow, they're going to kick all our butts." But my understanding was that that you guys still are calling out verbally different footwork patterns. Is that still right. the case? Yeah, it is, and I would. It's funny because you go back. We used to get accused of doing a routine because you wouldn't see me call it. Mm-hmm. But it's like I don't want the person sitting at the top of the bleacher to see me call the right. The right, you you guys do a, you do have right. a new so, way of yeah, being discreet. and we dance together for just like what we were talking about dancing together for so long. I could almost look up at her and give her just a slight look, and she knew what we were getting ready to do. Right, yeah, that was my verbal part. call. Right, but it was almost like you couldn't discreet it too much because they, then they think it's a routine. Mm-hmm. Luckily, we and that's something that came from West Coast Swing. Our lead. Like my lead became so much better. Right. I think to like, so, so female shaggers and female West Coast swing dancers cross over much easier than the male shaggers and the male Absolutely. West 100%. Coast swing dancers yeah. do. Um, there so are was, though some yeah. male shaggers that do a good job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was able to start leading different stuff and actually make her hit the music with me because we were more connected. Right. You know, for West Coast, that was just like we were holding hands to. Right, Not now really. you know, understand about connection. Right. And now yeah. I have the connection. I can make her do so many things. But Well, you're so. welcome again. <laughs> Thank you, my God. Did that change how you like teach? Did that spread into the rest of the community at all? Uh, it changed the fundamentals of how we teach, yeah, for sure. absolutely. And I know when I was taking dance class, the guy who taught me, I mean, he was a great teacher. I mean, a wonderful teacher. But we spent very, very little time on how to hold her hand. Like, here's how you hold her hand. There's a little bit of pull here. The thumb goes here. Now let's look at the feet. It required the influence of West Coast Swing, especially as it has become more technical. Ultimately, in return, has required us to become more technical in the way we Mm -hmm. Because when we would go to other events, they would ask a question. They would ask a technical question, and we would have to really sit and think about, well, how do we do that? How do we do that? Or really, for the first time, sit and think, well, I've never really thought about that. I've I've never really thought about, you know, how much weight I've got on my pinky toe on that. (laughs) (laughs) You know know what I mean? Like, the shaggers were just kind of taught, like, these are the kind of the generic basic steps. This is how you go out and do this. And certainly over time, I think, much like with West Coast Swing, it's kind of evolved into being a little bit more technical and also understanding, you know, like because you call out steps, connections, not really that important. Right. Right. It's not as important. Exactly. And we don't call out steps. We, we, we follow by feel. 
Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And visual. There, yeah. are, there are a lot of things that we do that are lead follow. Sure. I can't say that it's, that everyone does that. Yeah. Um, I mean, but, I follow shag with no calling out steps. Yeah. Right. I can't leave this out real quick. I think the other thing that Shag is, uh, that Swing has had an influence on, and there's really like two or three things, but I'll make them quick. Um, you know, talking about talking about Nikki before, and and obviously I'm not picking on Nikki at all. I think I think she's a phenomenal dancer. Crystal Taylor, Jennifer Beaver. You yeah. know, swing, swing in our mind when we were first introduced always kind of showcased the female. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and you know, the male honestly didn't really do a whole lot. Didn't really move their feet. You know, um, and it was really kind of more so show, showcasing the female. And so I think that that has that has also influenced our dance. I think it's also kind of allowed yes. people like Nikki, Jessica, Crystal Taylor, Jennifer Beaver, all of them to kind of push the envelope. And even myself, I guess, to be to, you know, to kind of be more of a prominent figure in our dance and to not be afraid not to just stick back in the basic the way it always historically has been done. Um, so that's one. The second thing, and this kind of gets into a little bit of a pet peeve of Michael and I's, um, shoes. Yes, totally. As stupid as this sounds, you know, shag dancers always, the men always dance in Weegians, which for the most part they still do. Um, The females never had great shoes. Like they were always, my feet still to this day hurt, I think, because of this for a lot of reasons, but. You know, we always had to find like expensive flat shoes like Enzo's or or, you know, just some sort of expensive flat shoe to dance in. And once we were introduced to the to West Coast Swing, we started adopt we started adopting some of the shoes. You know, okay. well, then it got into this huge debate on the male side that if you didn't wear loafers and you wore, you know, the tango shoes to shag in, then you weren't a true shag. Right, right, right. You weren't doing shag. Yeah. You weren't doing shag, you know. And what most people didn't realize was that Michael always wore the tango shoes because he felt like they made him dance better. Right, because they're dance shoes. Because they had they're more flexibility. Shoes. Yeah, they right. didn't his feet. Right. Um, he was able to have more of a line, which is something else we got that was, you know, from West Coast Swing. Right. Um, and so if he has his choice today, he would still put on a pair of West Coast Swing shoes to dance right. in or a pair of Weegians. We're probably going to get in trouble for saying that, but it, it's the truth. Mm-hmm. So whenever someone says like, well, oh, those, you know, you're wearing swing shoes. Well, you know what? Technically, we're all wearing swing shoes because if it wasn't for West Coast Swing, we wouldn't dance in any of the shoes that we dance in now. Well, and FYI, Shag is a swing dance, people. Hello. I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it just makes no sense. And, and honestly, you know, <clears throat> the the only thing that shag uh, swing shoes gave to the shag community was the ability to dance longer because they're made to dance in. Right. Right. And, right. and give you your better footwork and better lines and to be tighter because the shoes exactly. that you were dancing in were street yeah. shoes. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So, so sorry. I, I had to. No, speak. no, no. You're fine because it's it's a good it's a good um, uh, segue uh, for because we were talking about like how you felt West Coast Swing influenced Shag, but I want to I want to know what else do you think the West Coast Swing community can learn from Shag dancers, and is there anything that you'd like to see the Shag community adapt from the West Coast Swing community? Oh gosh, that's a hard question. 
Welcome to the naked truth. That's that's a very good. You know question. what? I think so. It's two things. Um, and one of these we've not talked about, but I would love to see a rebirth of young dancers in West Coast Swing. Mm-hmm. And I would love to see like an event like Junior SOS in the West Coast Swing community. I think they're trying to do that. They're working on it. Yeah. Um, I would love to see <clears throat> something like that. Mm-hmm. And in return, I would love our community to be able to figure out a way to bring in more of that middle age group that we're, our community is missing. You feel like there's a big gap. It's like very much older or much younger and nothing in the middle. Yep. We miss our community, missed the ball on that. We do a really great job at fostering our junior dancers and bringing them up. We tell them to go to college, right? Then they go to college. They may or may not come back to the community. They may get married. They may have children. They may not come back to the community until those children have kind of left the nest. The part, the part that we're missing is that, so, so this is why our communities are different. So you guys, you guys foster children, then children become adults. And we, you teach those children to become adults, to go to college, to be good humans, to make more children so that, so that you, you foster like, okay. And, and, and we do it the, the other way we go, you come into the swing community, whether you go to school or not, doesn't matter. You stay in the swing dance community, possibly not have a family because you make this your career. Cause it's very hard to make this your career and have a family. So this is why we have this, this gap. So how do we make it work? That's the million dollar question. Right. right that's, that's, that's true because you go off to college, you don't see anybody again. They had the kids, they go off to college, then they're in their late mid fifties and now they come back around. So we're like rare that we're in, we're all, I'm 40. She's almost 40. There's right, not many right. of us. There's not many right. 25 to 45. And I but don't know. What you guys have, you guys have your own house. You have a 401k, you have health insurance, you have kids, you have this, you have that. Whereas the rest of us in our communities, it's, it, we don't have a lot of that. Right. So I don't, I don't know what the answer is. You Me know, I, you know, we probably would not have, or actually we probably would, we would not, I know. If we had not, I mean, we've gone to college, but if we had continued to just travel and only teach, we wouldn't have our business. We wouldn't have right. the house, we wouldn't have the dogs. We wouldn't have a car, we, you right. know, 401k, all that. So it makes it a lot harder. Not, not that there aren't some of us in the community that say don't have the house and don't right. have a car and don't, don't have the family that we do have that, but it's not like you guys. Right. So I think, so I think we foster more middle aged dancers, right? And you yeah. foster young children. Yeah. And right. together we could make a big, huge family. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I, I, and that's so true. We look at that all the time. That's our schwagamily. Yes. Well, and I think music, you know, for us too, music has a lot to do with it. You know, um, so much of why people are attracted to West Coast Swing is that you can dance to a variety of different music yeah. and yeah. some of it is even yeah. music that they already listen to every day yeah, you know yeah. whereas in in the shag community you do somewhat have to have an appreciation for this the, older, the, the, the classics 
the don't classic. Old, because I, I will say this. The music that you guys dance to never gets old. It might be older music. But never gets old. That's it so never true. gets old. I can listen to Sam Cooke all day, every, every day for the rest of my life. I will say every once in a while, I do wish that there was a rebirth of people who were interested in creating new music that sure. sounded similar to that classic. Uh, understood. That would be incredible. I agree too. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know what the answer is. I, I do wish we could get more of the middle age and I wish y'all could get more of the, the kids. Right. So I, don't, I don't know what that's. I don't know. Like maybe we have to have a couple of events where that are like grand nationals. Yeah. You know, that brings two communities together. I, I really, you know, I don't know what the answer is. All, all I know is I, I feel very blessed that I came in to swing when I did. Cause when I came into swing, shag was just influencing, you know, right. West coast swing. So I got to be part of two, you know, not, not only was I part of two, eras in west coast you know when two eras were coming together and separating but then i also got to be part of another dance community so i feel very lucky right and we feel the same way we right. i think we, we came into it at a good time which is right and and yeah. every every i would say decade of west coast swing is influenced by a different genre you know, of dance. First, it was influenced by hustle, and then it was, right. you know, Lindy Hop, hustle, and then uh, uh, shag, and then zook, and you know, so it it, it try, it, which is why our dance keeps like changing a little bit and all that stuff. And your dance evolves too, just at a slower rate, I think. Right. Very true. And we do have events, um, fortunately, in in West Coast Swing that, and I feel like there's been more in recent years that have had a juniors program to try and sure. bring up Which that next awesome. generation. I also right. feel like at least in the time I've been dancing, and maybe that's because I started dancing on the East coast where at the time, anyway, your average dancer was not middle-aged. They were older than middle-aged, like, mm -hmm. because they, they were people who like, yeah, the kids had left the nest and they, you know, were looking for, yeah. for something fun to do. Um, I feel like in recent years, and maybe also to, again, geography, because here in California, we have a lot of young dancers or on the West Coast. But I feel like there have been more 20, 30-somethings dancing. Even when I moved here to the Bay Area um, t almost 10 years ago, there were a limited number of people between the ages of 21 and 41. <laughs> like, it was a pretty narrow segment. And I feel like that's grown a lot and i feel like it's grown a lot across the country i don't know if you agree deborah if you've seen no that i trend. do because I, I don't know i i mean michael and leon i don't know if you agree with this but when you guys first were exposed to west coast swing we didn't have such a big middle-aged group we no, had no. The, no we had the older group and the younger right yeah right so we've we've fostered the middle group now and i think you now that your dance is going overseas more, you will foster that middle group that you want. Mm -hmm. I think it'll start to happen. I said, you guys are just growing at a slower pace. That's all. And that's, 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 that's a good way to look at it. Cause we are, I mean, it's very true. <laughs> Sorry. You're so smart. We talk, <laughs> we talk about this all the time. It's funny. It's mostly Michael and I talking about it. We don't, We've had conversations like this with a few other people in our community, but right. but it takes it takes champions too. I mean, it, it takes champions in your community, and I don't mean champions in the 
the winning aspect, but but people who are champion the dance, champion the dance, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, teaching in their local communities. And, and, you know, I applaud the people that that continue to do that. I know in our dance community and um, certainly I think if Michael and I had more time, we would we would be doing more of that. But um, that's what's keeping it, you know, along with the junior community, that's kind of what's keeping it progressing forward, even though it is at a much slower pace. Right. Yeah. I want to ask you one last question before we let you go. Um, no, don't go. Don't go. <laughs> no, two more hours. Two more hours. At least until we stop recording and then you can keep talking. Right. But, um, um, you guys have had a really prolific career. I mean, you've been very successful in shag and now you've taken on this mantle of running grand nationals. And in many ways you're now the Charlie and Jackie's right. You're shepherding the community and, and leading the next generation. What do you hope your legacy will be? Mm-hmm. Do you think wow. about that as all as you think about uh, fostering the next generation? That's a very good question. Um, I, I do hope when I'm, you know, 30 years from now, I'm hoping that people are still looking up to us as we do to Charlie and Jackie, I guess mm-hmm. is. It, that's, I, that's a great question. Oh, man, um, that's given. I think that will happen. Yeah. I think. I think our legacy will be continuing to try to maintain the tradition of our dance and its relationship um, with the swing community, with yeah, the Western the two communities. Mm-hmm. I think, and I hope that will continue to be our legacy. I, I'm okay with no one ever remembering that we competed or. Right. I don't, I don't really care about that because I feel like honestly, that was such a long time ago. <laughs> um, I hope that, well, one, I hope that people feel like we're, we're good people, respectful people for professional people in our dance community. And we've always tried to be that, but I, I hope that our legacy is our passion for the dance, our passion and our love for both communities, yeah, not our own, but for both communities and our determination and dedication to continue to keep those two communities dancing together that's a good legacy to have uh, we've been speaking for quite some time and this has been nothing but amaze balls excuse my french <laughs> um thank you so much for joining us i hope you enjoyed it as much as uh we did it was literally an honor Absolutely. oh no it's the honor's all ours yeah absolutely i've known of you both for a very long time i started dancing uh, I started dancing in about 2000. Before I did West Coast, I did Lindy. So I was even seeing you at NADC yeah. way yeah, back yeah. when. And this is the first chance I had to really sit and talk with you. So I've really enjoyed it a lot. Thank you so much. So well, it's a- what you guys do, I hope y'all Absolutely, continue to do this. What you guys do are doing is continuing to maintain our history as well and opening up a line of communication, I think, and a different line of education um, that was very much needed. Oh, I appreciate I- it. I look forward to this every week, listening to what you guys have to say and your guests and um, speakers. And, and well, so- thank you so much for that. We we appreciate your support, and and I love you both. You know, we have we a love- great fr- we have a great friendship, and I, I'm so glad and thankful um, for that. Um, so, if people wanted to reach you, how would they reach you? Well, they can reach us um, via email at Michael and A N D Leanne one at mac dot com. Uh, we will, we're, we're cu- currently having a website, 
uh, reboot, so to okay. speak. But our website is michaelandleanne.com and then also usagrandnationals.com. Great. And we're on Facebook, of course. Of <laughs> course. Which is so annoying, of course. Instagram. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Et cetera. Well, give my love to Stella and Piper. Of course, they're sleeping now that they've chased all the birds. So. That's okay. <laughs> Wore them out. If you want to share your thoughts and reactions with us, you can post a comment on our website, you can respond to our posts on Facebook, or you can share your thoughts in our discussion group on Facebook. You can also email Deborah and me through our site at thenakedtruthwcs.com or through our Facebook page. To get the latest news, you can like our page on Facebook, subscribe to our weekly email newsletter, follow us on Instagram at thenakedtruthwcs, and that's right, you can follow us on Twitter at nakedtruthwcs. Don't forget, you can buy some stylish swag at our online store. Just go to thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash store to buy yours today. We can ship it to you or we can get it to you at an upcoming event. Again, that's thenakedtruthwcs.com forward slash store. And if you haven't already, you can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and anywhere you listen to podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a moment to leave us a review on Facebook. And if you're on iTunes, please rate us and give us a review over on iTunes. It helps us to spread the word. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Eric. And I'm Deborah. And And that's that's the the Naked naked Truth. truth. We didn't talk about this either, but, you know, Michael and I have lots of random conversations at, you know, 2 a.m. when we can't sleep. And <laughs> usually with Deborah on the table. You know, we're, <laughs> saving, we're saving the world, you know, at 2 a.m. We're saving the shag community at 2 a.m. But we don't see people in our shag community spin. The men. The men spin the way to. Free spins right, right, the right. way that they used to. I mean, I, if I didn't do seven, if I didn't do like four different variations of seven spins. Right. That was not enough. And now, like we were just talking to Cody um, the other day. And I was like, how many? I was like, do you do spins anymore? I don't think I see anybody doing it. Even Brenner. I mean, he doesn't do many. Right. Um, and Cody said, well, I did two this past. I'm like, God, that, I mean, we used, if it wasn't seven spins, it wasn't enough. <laughs> it's true. I do so it is that. You know, that the one legged spin, you know, right. you know, for whatever reason, it just has slowly gone away. Mm-hmm. I don't, you know, but, so we'll see. Maybe it'll come back. <laughs>